good ma majestical morning. Yeah, good uh, magical morning. Ooh, I kind of like the sound of that. Well, I'm Jenna. I'm Soapy. And Soapy and Gina. <laughs> Here to report on all things crime. creepy. All things creepy. We realize we talk a lot about murder, but we have some fun non-murderous crimes we're talking to you guys about today. Yeah, we enjoyed making a history episode recently, so I'm going to do a historical Seattle story, uh, but Jenna's is not historical. Nope, mine's <laughs> just about a sex offender, but it'll be good. Classic. It'll be good. So, uh, before we get started, how's your morning going? Pretty good. Um, giving a big speech tonight, so I had to l get ready and look fancy-ish. Oh, your makeup looks poppin'. Thank you, but I'm also just wearing a t-shirt and ripped shorts. And <laughs> Is that what you're gonna wear, or do you have to change? No, I have to wear a fancy dress, and my mom really wants me to wear these heels, but I literally can't walk in them, and I tried all morning. And oh. it wouldn't be that bad, except I have to walk all the way across the stage and, like, shake people's hands. Oh. And I'm scared. Just wear the sneakers. I'm thinking my clogs. For sure. Only Sophie can wear clogs, and it's not <laughs> bad. How was your morning? Um, It was pretty good. I woke up, and there was no milk left for coffee, so I was like, I guess I'll have to go to Starbucks and get one, which is obviously fine with me. But Wednesday is my one day off a week at work, so it's the best day. And it's supposed to be 91. Insane. But I'm going over to my friend's pool, so. That's awesome. I know. It's not even heated up, so it'll be a frozen pool. That sounds so nice. I know. I'm very excited. I'll be inside dressed up as Amelia Earhart, <laughs> pretending and giving history info. So fun. Super fun times. It's going to be I so close? hot in here. It's gonna, we're oh. literally going to dive heat we for you guys so you don't no hear. We have no fans. We're in an enclosed room. <laughs> We open the windows in our second room that's kind of connected. Oh, that's so much better. But there's no AC or anything because our school's from 1912. Yeah, no, it's honestly tragic, but this is what we got to do. But also, what school would we have our own podcast studio in? True. Probably so, none. So, like, we got to appreciate our, exactly. our school. Okay, so are you ready to give your story? I am ready. So this is some kind of relating to today, considering it's going to be so hot today. <laughs> um, but I this happened in spring of 1889. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, this is in Seattle, the Great Seattle Fire. Which I feel like not a lot of people know about. I didn't know about it until I, I met you. Yeah, I didn't know about it until, I don't even, not that long ago, but pretty much every fire or every big city has burned down at some point. Which is crazy. London, they, London, Brussels, I think Dublin. Tacoma, half of the whole. Tacoma? Yeah, the half of the whole place burned down. Like, awesome. It's crazy. For all y'all who aren't from here, you're like, what the frick's Tacoma? Um, it's the second largest city. It's basically off in Seattle. Is Spokane the second? I'm pretty sure there is Tacoma, but I'm going to Google it right now. Tacoma is where we are right now. Not to give away our location, because this is filmed in the past, so you won't even know where we are at the moment. Ha ha. We're in the gritty city. The what a nice city. name. There's like a cool origin of that, though. Grit city. Origin. Oh, you're right. Seattle, Spokane, then Tacoma. Spokane has 10,000 more than Tacoma. Yeah. 
But we're Gritty City, Grit City, City of Destiny is what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Why is it called Grit City? Because we're gritty. We're greedy. <laughs> I don't know. We did like dirty. a class about Tacoma history and podcasting, Claire and I did, but we kind of forgot. Wait, we why is Tacoma called Grit City? Tacoma, Washington adopted its name after the nearby Mount Rainier, originally called Tacoma or Tahoma. Okay. Mm. It was a local. It was locally known as the City of Destiny because it's where the end of the railroad was. We all know that. Okay, why is it? Okay, wait. Oh, cool. It's blocked by school Wi-Fi. Clara, will you find this out for us and tell I, us later? I like how it's blocked on school Wi-Fi, even though it's literally about our city, but like, I, go off, I, I just guess. want to learn the history of our city. My school won't let us. So, anyway, literally. the Great Seattle Fire. Are Back you ready? to that. Yep. Um... The spring of 1889 in Seattle had been beautiful. There had been little rain and temperatures were consistently in the 70s. Oh, my dream. Oh, unfortunately, the usually good, unusually good weather proved to be disastrous as the dry conditions conspired with a handful of other elements to allow for the worst fire in city history. The afternoon of June 6, 1889, a few days ago, was the reunion. Hunter and something, I don't math, we're, reunion. We're recording this on June 12th. Yeah, for so reference. last week. John Back, an assistant in Victor Claremont's woodworking shop at Front Street, which is now called First Avenue, and Madison Avenue, was heating glue over a gasoline fire. Sometime... <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, they w- I think it, had, it was a carpentry shop, or a cabinet-making shop. Interesting. Um from what I can recall. Sometime after 2.15, the glue boiled over, caught fire, and spread to the floors, which were covered by wood chips and turpentine. Turpentine? Turpentine? <laughs> I sound stupid. <laughs> he tried to put the fire out with water, but that only served to thin the turpin... Is it turpentine? Turpentine. Turpentine. <laughs> he tried to put out the fire with water, but that only served to thin the turpentine and spread the far- fire further. Everyone got out of the building safely, and the fire department got to the fire by 2.45, so 30 minutes later. By that time, there was so much smoke, it was hard to find the source of the fire, and by the time it was found, the fire was out of control. It quickly spread to Dietz and Mayer Liquor Store, which then exploded, the Crystal Palace Saloon and the Opera House Saloon. Fueled by alcohol, the entire block from Madison to Marion was on fire. Seattle's water supply proved to be a major problem in fighting the fire. At that time, water was provided by the privately owned Spring Hill Water Company. Hydrants were located on every other street, and the, quote, pipes were small, I guess because they weren't even really pipes, as they were made out of hollowed-out logs. But I guess that's how they did it back then. But hearing it now, it sounds stupid. It sounds real But what dumb. else would they do, yeah. you know? Just wiped away all my inner corner highlight. Love that for me. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so the logs that the water was in caught on fire. No way. Yeah, so as more hoses were added to the fire, water pressure fell to the point that the hoses didn't work. Firemen tried to keep the fire from spreading further by pumping water from Elliott Bay onto the commercial mill, but the tide was out, and the hoses were not long enough to reach the side of the building closest to the fire. To add insult to injury, crowds harassed the firefighters as the water (laughs) pressure fell. No! At the same time, the water supply was dwindling. The wind rose, helping spread the fire. Oh, my god! Soon, the mill was on fire, as well as the Coleman Building and Opera House. So sad. 
Um, being that firefighter? Yeah. Also, if you think about it, being a firefighter is like, okay, I'm not going to say it's easy, but like how many times a day are you going to have to do fire Actually, like that? Actually, I feel like, like they do more stuff than it's just fires, you know? For sure. I want to know like what other thing. Like they save kittens, I know. They, I feel like when there's a fire, there's always like a fire truck and like, yeah, um, like medics. They're first responders. Oh, see, that makes and sense. I feel, well, I feel like when, like, trees fall and stuff. Mm-hmm. They have to deal with that. Please. Mayor Robert Morin took command from acting fire chief James Murphy. Ironically, sorry, I, like, didn't know if this was important. It says, ironically, Chief Josiah Collins was at a firefighting convention in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and Why he's reportedly so distraught. Funny. Who's reportedly distraught? Morin ordered the the Coleman block to be blown up in an attempt to end the fire, but the fire jumped past the block and spread to the wharves, as well as up the hill towards Second Avenue. Dang. So that's like downtown, because like first is like the one closest to the water. Okay. Like Pikey. Okay, Pikey. Pikey area. (laughs) The original Starbucks area. Yeah. So like right downtown. By 4 p.m., most residents realized that downtown Seattle was doomed. The fire had crossed 2nd Avenue is heading up to 3rd. The smoke could be seen in Tacoma, and the roar of the fire heard for miles. Help had been called from Tacoma, Portland, and even Victoria, B.C., but would take hours to arrive. Businesses and homeowners cleared out as much as they could. Those who were able hired wagons to haul belongings onto Mm -hmm. ships before the ships moved out of the harbor and away from the wharves which were on fire. The Seattle Times was able to get most of their files and books aboard the schooner called Teaser. Schooner's a type of sailboat. See, I wouldn't have known that. That's so... Fun fact. That would have been so hard, like, seeing it come and having, like, your home and all that and having to... Because people are always like, there's a fire! What what are three things you grab? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, My... I would like one like photos. I feel like, but also my phone has photos. But like my childhood photos, I have albums. But then I it's really like I don't know. I don't. I'm not very like I like things, but it's not like if my whole house burned down, I'd like. I, I guess my journals probably. I have a lot of things that I really like because I really like getting things from, from other places yeah. that I go. So it's yeah. like your little whisk. <laughs> you yeah, wanna... I have a whisk like from a beater. Yeah. To beat um, egos. Yeah, and like. <laughs> baking supplies that i found on the ground in paris at night next to the steps from midnight in paris which if you the know movie. me yeah. is my favorite movie of all time so and my dream came true i sat on the steps i sang the song and i found a whisk and i brought it home and exactly. it's in my room so it's not like i would like be going for like my favorite clothes because all that's like replaceable you know right i think i would go for my laptop <laughs> i'm just kidding um i feel like almost everything i have is pretty replaced like i don't have a ton of like i would I'm just like the opposite i'm thinking about all my things and i'm like <laughs> i would probably I'm grab like, i'm not super materialistic but i like i have a lot of things that mean a lot or remind me of things see i'm not you know? very sentimental like i am with memories but not with objects like i'd probably grab my journals and my bible i guess because i just have lots of writing in it and I can't get that back, like, but that's pretty much it. I think I have the worst memory. So, like, <laughs> having things to, like, represent and remind me of a certain You're event like, oh, I went or to period China. of I forgot. time. 
literally forget about stuff all the time. It's fun, like, well, I just can't remember things. And it's so sad because I've been, like, so fortunate to do some cool things in my life. And I feel bad that I'm, like, I don't honestly don't remember. But, like, it's fun because I have a good friend. Shout out to Jill Jill. Uh, Jillian and <laughs> we've been friends since like kindergarten and she tells me stories about us and I'm like that's so funny and I don't remember it at all but I'm so glad we had a good time together no Riley <laughs> just told me about her dad and he was at um one of his like best friends son's graduation parties and they were like oh my gosh Gary remember when this happened he's like no they're like yeah. all talking about his college memories he's like I was there. He's like, I don't remember. Yeah. And he was like, Riley, you need to write things down because I literally forgot everything. Right. Like, no, I have the, like, I can't remember anything before the age of like eight. I can't think of, can't think of it's one thing. It's like, it's weird. I, it's just like sometimes some, like even things that happened like last year, like a trip me and my mom went on, like she'll say something and then I feel like I have a certain amount of memories from the trip that are, like, ingrained in my brain, but then there's, like, whole periods of, like, trips that I, like, for some reason didn't, like, commit to memory. My mom would be like, remember, we went and got these sandwiches, and they are really good, and I'm like, and then it kind of comes back, but then, yeah, it kind of sucks. What if you just all of a sudden, like, had a brain, like, reader? <laughs> between all the buttons no I, I want a brain reader so i can rewatch all my memories i would be kind of scared of that what what know. if you could rewatch everything but with you in it as third person i would probably think i'm annoying and would hate myself it's weird because like we don't know what we look like when we're interacting no nope. only actors do really yeah exactly and they're always hot, so it's like, whatever. Ugh, and they look perfect. I know. If I was in the movie, I'd be like... Acting is so hard. Yeah. I had to... I, like, always... I was like, oh, you know, you just pretend. <laughs> but I had to make a commercial for my class. It's stupid hard. I was, like, sitting there, and they're like, just say, oh, my gosh, where am I? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where am I? Like, like, trying to oh, sound sincere. Oh, my goodness. Where have I gone? Oh, I wonder where I am. Okay, back to the story. Okay, anyway. <laughs> we went on a long go tangent, <coughs> but what were we talking about before? <laughs> the fire. Oh, perfect. Caught me right up. Uh, so they realized it was doomed. Seattle Times got their files on board of a schooner. As the fire reached 3rd Avenue, Trinity Church burned quickly, and the fire moved across the street toward the three-story courthouse. Before oh no. long, the fire had reached 4th and University, but a handful of buildings were saved, including the courthouse. That's the good. fire department had tried to water down the courthouse to prevent it from burning, but the water pressure was so low, the hoses could only spray the first floor. I don't know why. I think it was kind of funny, but... <laughs> they're like one job. Is I just, just see like an old movie and everyone's moving fast and it's in black and white and right? they're like... Like Charlie Chaplin style. He has like a single hose we have in like our backyard. And he's like, please. They're like all holding on really tightly expecting it to be like lots of water. And then just a dribble comes out. Uh, did I ever tell you how I was at summer camp and we had a food fight and I got flour in my eyes. And they had to have a, they had a what like a fireman hose. And they had to hose my eye out <gasps> with that. No. Because they were like spraying people. Wow. Like to spray them off. They had to spray my eyes. That's so terrible. <laughs> yeah, my eyes were flooshed. I don't know. I watch. See, I've watched all the Office. I've watched like all of New Girl. But when people are like, do you remember this moment? I'm like, no. 
I watched it. See, there's been, a lot of things from New Girl I don't remember. Just certain things are very vivid, like like the swoot, swoot. <laughs> obviously. Because I, like, I love the swoot. It's just the part where Andy's auditioning. Or no, he already got the part for like a, a what is it? Like a not a help video, but like a like a directions video, I guess, on mm-hmm. how to flush your eyes in emergencies. <laughs> and he doesn't like having things in his eyes, so he's like freaking out. <laughs> I used to be so scared of things coming towards my eyes, and then I got contacts, and I was like... I remember watching you take 20 minutes to put in your contacts, and we had to catch a flight, and you're like, there. you're like, you cannot rush me. Your mom's like, Jenna, come on, and you're like, you guys stop. And you would just sit there and look at your face for a long time and not even try. Just look at my face and disappoint <laughs> Sitting on the hotel, like, yes. counter, and just being like... You wouldn't even, like... <laughs> try and put them in you just sit there and stare at your own face and you're like i just need to prepare (laughs) i forgot about that okay see this is why i gotta be friends they remind you of everything exactly um oh the courthouse almost got burned in that'd be so bad if there's all those like files and papers and stuff all the like info and things (laughs) all the thingos Quick thinking, Lawrence Booth climbed to the roof of the courthouse and poured buckets of water down the sides of the building, saving the structure as well as all the public public records in the jail within. Booth's lead inspired bucket brigades to save the Boston block. Say, Booth's bucket brigades saved the Boston block five times. Booth's brigades, the buckets, the block. Booth's bucket brigade saved the Boston block and Jacob Levy's house. Henry Yesler's house was also saved by someone who taught who taught to cover it with wet blankets. They thought to cover it with wet blankets. Yesler's the name of that road that goes along downtown. BT Dubs. I only know that name because it is the scariest road to turn onto, and I ran a red light and went between pedestrians while turning onto Yesler. So that's the only reason why I know that name. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, the fire was spreading even farther. Before it reached Yesler, Morin ordered that the shacks there either be torn down or exploded in an attempt to create another fire block. Despite such efforts, the fire crossed the gap and Skid Road went up in flames next. Mayor Morin declared an 8 p.m. Cur- curfew that night and ordered all saloons closed until further notice. The fire burned until 3 a.m. <clears throat> So, like, 12 hours. I don't understand how fire works, full disclosure. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Ask Higgins. I made him explain it to me. I, like, don't understand it. Like, how does it do it? I don't know. Like, stop. I, know, I like, don't want to think about it. When it was <laughs> done, the damage was enormous. 120 acres, 25 city blocks had been destroyed. Holy Another source said 31, and that sounds more dr- more dramatic. So I'm going to say 31 city blocks were burned. That's a boatload. And every wharf and mill from Union to Jackson Street. A wharf is like the piers out in front. The city didn't take much time to mourn. Instead, the Seattle people band together and on 11 a.m. of the next day, June 7th, 600 businessmen got out to discuss how to cope with the current situation and plan for the future. To combat looting, 200 several deputies were sworn in town and placed under martial law for two weeks. A relief committee was formed to handle the charitable donations that are being sent from all over the country. Tacoma, no longer a rival, but an alley in a time of need, raced 
$20,000 and sent up a relief committee to help. $20,000 in the 1800s. That's insane, bro. Dang, Tacoma. Can we look, can we get that uh, price check? I'm going to do that right now, actually. 1889. The armory was converted into a dining hall and displaced citizens would have a place to eat. Supplies from San Francisco, much of which had been ordered before the fire, arrived June 18th. Relief relief <laughs> it's the equivalent of five hundred thousand forty-five dollars wow. relief that bureaus insane. were able to close as quickly as june 20th as tent restaurants had been set up quickly and were able to meet people's needs within a month of the fire over 100 businessmen were operating out of tents somehow they like house all these displaced you know citizens of the city yet there's so many homeless people in seattle but they figured out how to do it in the 1800s how's everyone hmm but people are freezing outside anyway (laughs) instead of relocating most businesses decided to rebuild where they had been and rebuilding began almost immediately uh wooden buildings were banned and burned out district to be replaced by brick the same good, time, good streets idea. were raised up to 25 feet in places, helping to level the hilly city. Within a year, 465 buildings had been built. Most of the reconstruction was complete and businesses had reopened. The fire had also led to a handful of other changes to the city. Um, they just created a professional fire department because it used to be volunteers, and mm. they uh, eliminated... Uh, wooden pipes and added fire hydrants good idea so they improved the city a lot so now because there are no more wooden buildings they built everything on top okay um we'll have some pics on the pod instagram oh for sure i'll sh- wait let me show you Cause it's kind of hard to explain look this was downtown Whoa. nothing yeah it's really flat so they just built on top, and um, I remember my seventh grade teacher telling us about that actually. The about underground. How, yeah, how they build on top, and how, um, like if the sea levels rise and all that, there's like all the under. Yeah. I don't know. I'm butchering what he said, but it was in seventh grade, so give me some grace. <laughs> so, um, Pioneer Square had originally been built mostly on filled in tidelands and as a consequence, it often flooded. The new street level also assisted in ensuring gravity-assisted flood flush toilets that funneled into Elliott Bay. Ew. For the regrade, the, si- the streets were lined with concrete walls that formed narrow alleyways between the walls and buildings on both sides of the streets with a wide alley where the street was. The natural steep hillsides were used and through a series of sluices, sluice material, Sleecy material had washed into the wide alleys, raising the streets to a desired new level, generally 12 feet higher than before, in some places nearly 30 feet. At first, pedestrians had to climb ladders to go between street level and the sidewalks in front of the building entrances. Brick archways were constructed next to the road surface above submerged sidewalks. Pavement lights, a form of walk-on skylight with small panels of clear glass, which later became amethyst-colored, were installed over the gap from the raised street to the building, creating a new area called the Seattle Underground. So uh-huh. they built all the everything up, but the sidewalks were still 
the original level, but they couldn't reach anything in the buildings, so they just built another level sidewalk on top of everything that's higher up with out of glass bricks so you mm. can see through and they're still there like a lot of the sidewalks has a section of glass yeah. and like i never even knew that's so the underground had light wait really yeah that's that's so cool yeah so, so it's so weird no one knows about this but yeah. now you can take underground tours and there's haunted underground tours which sophie and, and i def gotta go yeah uh during halloween time Okay, so when they reconstructed their buildings, merchant and landlords knew that the ground floor would eventually be underground and the next floor would be the new ground floor, so there is very little decoration on doors and windows of the original ground floor, but extensive decoration on the new ground floor. Mm-hmm. So, like, the underneath is really plain and mm-hmm. bland. So once the new sidewalks were complete, um, they moved their businesses to the new ground floor. Although merchants carried on businesses in the lowest floors of the buildings that survived the flower the flower the fire (laughs) they survived the flower the great flower of seattle and pedestrians continued to use the underground sidewalks lit by pavement lights embedded in ground level sidewalk above in 1907 the the city condemned the underground for fear of bubonic plague two years before 1909 when the world fair in seattle the basements were left to deteriorate or were used as storage. Some became illegal flop houses for homeless, gambling halls, speakeasies, and opium dens. Opium dens? Yeah. Good Only Lord. a small portion of Seattle's underground has been restored and made safe and accessible to public on guided tours. 1965, a local established the Bill Speedles Underground Tour, which is still operating today. So I'll show you. If some only they pictures. could make down there like a homeless shelter. And it wouldn't even. Like, yeah, it's already there. did at one point. Yeah. It's so it's so weird that we, like, didn't even freaking know. Yeah. But I guess also it, like, because they had to rebuild the city, the um, architecture changed immensely. Yeah. This is Yesler Way. This is downtown. Heck. There's nothing. And all just because some guy was trying to burn some glue. Yeah. Freaking nutso. Isn't that insane? It's flat. And then the underground is wild looking. Yeah, that looks like ancient, like ancient, but 1800s mines. Like, yeah, funny. it's so crazy. I definitely think that we should do it. That'd be a fun field trip. I know. For like you and me. School, <laughs> oh, just for us. Like a mentor group field trip to the yeah, underground. That'd be very cool. So that is the story of the Great Seattle Fire and the underground. Oh, so there's like a Tacoma history Crazy. A&A. It'd be Not fun. Tacoma, but like a Washington I history. love history, but then we have a history class. Oh, no offense. So boring. But we just learned about freaking Mansa Musa, which is cool. And like, but Alexander the Great, but like how much? Like I want to learn about cool stuff like this, yeah. you know? And I think when it relates to you, or it's like in a city or place you know, it becomes a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. Oh, my B, my B. Okay. So that is Definitely. the story. Of That's the g- it. Wow. Pretty cool. It's pretty dope. We should have some pictures up. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Mary Kay and Sofino Laterno. Laterno, I think is how you say her name. But I'm just going to refer to her as Mary Kay. Laterno. And I'm sure you guys have heard of her. Yeah. My I'm mom not going to talk to me about it. I'm not giving Larry you guys. About it. I'm not giving you guys 
anything. You're just going to have to find this out as you go on because it's freaking nutso. There's a lot of background, too, so stay with me. Just know it gets freaking nuts. Okay, so Mary Mary Kay Schmitz was her original last name before she was married. Was born in 1962 in Tustin, California. Daughter of blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, She was known to, uh, to her family as Cake. Her family called her Cake. That's kind of cute. It's cute, but I'm just, like, I just want to know why. I don't know. I just want to know. She was the fourth of seven children and was raised in a strict Catholic household. Just remember that as we go through the story. (laughs) Um, When she was two years old, her father began his political career and successfully ran as a Republican for the seat in state legislature. Yeah, I know words. He held positions as a California state senator and U.S. congressman, winning a special election for an unexpired term in 1970 and a general election. So basically, he was in the government. So just kind of remember this and their family's reputation as we go through this as well. Yeah. Um, After a primary defeat in 1972, he changed parties and ran for president. I didn't know that. As an American independent party, let's go, candidate in 1972, In 1973, um, okay, I guess he didn't win because it just says he ran. But in 1973, Mary Kay's three-year-old brother drowned in their family pool in their home at Spyglass Hill in the section of Corona del Mar, California, while she played with another brother in the shallow end. Oh, that is so sad. I know. Dude, for lifeguard training, they make you watch videos of kids drowning. (gasps) Really? Fake videos? No. Like, because pools, a lot of pools have cameras. Oh, I was like, who's standing there and videotaping? (laughs) No, no. So bad. Yeah. Okay. And action. Do your best drowned. Go. Um, Mary Kay attended Cornelia Connolly High School, an all-girls Catholic high school in Anaheim, California, where she was... Disneyland. Basically. Well, that's where it is. (laughs) And VidCon. (laughs) Where she was a member of the cheerleading squad and was also a student at Arizona State University, which is the largest university in the United States. Fun fact. Really? Yep. Whoa. Like 70, 80,000 students. Dang. Freaking nutso. If you literally get in, if you breathe, like you have to have a pulse (laughs) and they're like, you're in. Like Like, if you get, (laughs) it's easier to get in than wazoo. No way. where everyone goes. That's where everyone goes. Yep. ASU, WSU. It's all the SUs. What can I say? Mm. And then Arizona, University of Arizona is harder to get in, which makes sense. Just kind of like UW. Um, so in 1978, her father was reelected as a Republican to the California State Senate. He intended to run for U.S. Senate in 1982, but his political career was permanently damaged that year when it was revealed he had fathered two children out of wedlock during an affair with a former student. Remember that as well. At um, Santa Ana College. What? That's where he weirdly taught. fitting for the story. <laughs> I'll, I'll just repeat that as we get towards the end if you guys forget, but remember that. Where he taught political science. Her father's affair caused her parents to separate, but they later reconciled. According to her friends, Mary Kay felt betrayed and thought her mother was a cold person who drove him to do it. <laughs> and her brother, John Schmitz, was the deputy counsel to President George H.W. Bush and her older brother, Joseph E. Schmitz, was the Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Defense under George W. Bush, was a senior executive for with Academy, and is a foreign policy advisor for President Donald Trump. 
Ew. So you can tell they're a very political family. They're in media and all that. Um, So now we're going into her first marriage. So when Mary Kay was not attending Arizona State University, one, she was, not when she was not. Just start that right over. (laughs) When Mary Kay was attending Arizona State University, she met and married fellow student Steve Letourneau. I believe. Letourneau? Letourneau. I keep saying it wrong. I don't know. In French, you'd be like, Letourneau. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going to be like, Steve Letourneau. Letourneau is probably how we say it because we're American and And dumb. we suck. Yeah, exactly. Or how our last names should be way different. Vidrig. Vrts. Yeah. We just reveal our own saying, oh, but you don't even know how. It's because it's not it. Sure. We'll just throw it in. Um... Married fellow student Steve Letourneau, and she conceived the first of her four children with him. And she said that she was not in love with Steve and married him after being urged so by her parents. Wow. That is the recipe for a healthy marriage, everyone. Literally don't. (laughs) The couple moved to Anchorage, Alaska, where Steve found work as a baggage handler for Alaska Airlines. After a year in Alaska, he was transferred to Seattle, Washington, where she gave birth to their second child. She graduated from Seattle University in 18, 1989, so I guess she transferred. Um, in a teaching degree, she began teaching second grade at Shoreward Elementary School in the Seattle suburb of Burien. Burien? Burien, that's it. So Mary Kay and Steve's marriage reportedly suffered. They had financial problems, and both parties in- engaged in extramarital affairs. Her attorney, former neighbor, and friend, David Gerkel. Ew. <laughs> or Gerke? G-E-H-R-K-E. Gerk? Gerkel? I'm just going to say Gerkel because I think it's funnier. There's no L. No, no. Gerke. Probably Gerk. Gerk. I don't know. I need there was to this move one on. movie, and their last name is, like, Garant. <laughs> and the lady said that their name sounded like a queef on a yoga ball. Garrett. <laughs> queef on a yoga ball. So basically, ball. her friend David said that she was emotionally and physically abused by her husband Aww. during their marriage and twice went for hospital treatment. Police were called, although no charges were ever filed. Whoa. Um, and then later, I'm not going to say when or anything because it's gonna spoil it but uh she divorced her husband later and gained custody of her four children and they in 2010 never mind that doesn't matter awesome (laughs) okay crime ruling and sentence now we're getting in the meat of it so let's just do a little little switchy back to what we talked about so mary Kay was raised in a private school private catholic school her family's in the government her dad cheated on his wife with students let's just remember that as we go into the story okay born in 1983 Vili Fualu Fual I don't know how to say his name so I'm just gonna call let him let me see Fualu Fualu <laughs> that's it I like it's Samoan name so I'm just gonna call him Vili Fualau? which is his first name Fualau yeah. for any of y'all who are listening I'm so sorry I'll it just looks call him like Fualau yeah. I don't know. Voila, I think that's it. Um, Billy was a Samoan American who was Mary Kay's student in both his second grade and sixth grade classes at Shorewood Elementary School in Burien, Washington. Um, she was 34 in the summer of 1996. Her relationship with the 12 or 13-year-old, like how they don't know the difference, Vil- 
her relationship with the 12 or 13 year old Billy turned from platonic to sexual. On June 18, 1996, police came up, came up upon Mary Kay in a car with Billy in a marina parking lot. She was seen jumping in the front seat and he pretended to be asleep in the back. She and Billy provided false names when asked for identification, and Mary Kay lied about his age, saying he was 18. Even though he was, he was 12. 12 years old. She's literally, like, like, three times his age. That's like when kids at the hot tub are literally seven. I'm like, you have to be 15. Like, I'm 15. I'm like, no, you are not. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, Billy said that no touching had taken place. And Mary Kay said that she and her husband had gotten into an argument that Billy who she said was a family friend who had been staying with him that night, witnessed the argument and ran away upset, and she left to find him. Such a weird, complex lie, but... That's kind of a good story, though. The police took Mary Kay and Billy to the police station where his mother was called. The mother was asked what should be done, and she said to return him to Mary Kay. What? She said later that the police had alerted her to the fact that um, Mary Kay had lied about his age and what had occurred in the car, she would not have allowed her son to go back. Oh, so they didn't... She thought it was just, like, another girl, I think, and didn't know the... De- That's weird that the cops wouldn't tell her that. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Mary Kay was arrested in March 1997 after a relative of her husband contacted the police. Her first child with Billy, a daughter, was born in 1997 in May while she was still awaiting sentencing. She got pregnant by a 12-year-old student. Oh, my God. That's not even the... the. There's more. Um, Mary Kay pleaded guilty to two counts of the second-degree child rape. Through a plea agreement, she was sentenced to six months, three of which were suspended, in the county jail and three years in sex offender treatment. She was not required to register as a sex offender. As part of her plea agreement, she agreed to avoid contact with Billy. She became the subject of an international tabloid scandal and was targeted by delusional strangers and experienced symptoms of degraded mental health. No way. (laughs) Um, On February 3rd, 1988, after two weeks of completing her jail sentence, Mary Kay was found in a car with Billy near her home. She initially said she was alone in the car, and she and Billy provided false names when asked for identification. I see a pattern. Except they're all over the news. Her picture's everywhere of getting with a 12-year-old, and then, yeah, no, nice try. Although it was reported that the sexual intercourse had occurred in the car, Billy told Detective Dan Be- Dane Bean, <laughs> sorry, this is a funny name, that he and Mary Kay had kissed frequently, and that he touched her on the thigh, but no sexual intercourse had occurred. But she's pregnant. <laughs> That was before. Come on. She's pregnant with a half Samoan baby, but they just, he touched her thigh once. There was evidence the two had met several times since her release from jail on January 2nd. When she was arrested, the police found $6,200 in cash, baby clothes, and a passport inside her car. Receipts for $850 purchases made since January 20th for men's and young men's clothing and infant wear were found. Mary Kay said the clothing was for dermatology, said the money was for dermatology treatments and for her divorce, divorce lawyer, and that some of the men's clothing were gifts for relatives and herself because she enjoyed wearing oversized men's clothing. <laughs> Honestly, me? That's the only way I can relate to her, the oversized men's clothing. <laughs> 
With more than 125 journalists observing, Mary Kay was sentenced to seven and a half years in prison for violating the terms of her probation. In interviews in a book in her involvement with Billy, she said she had sex with him in January. So they lied. Shocker. In October 1988, while serving her second stint in jail, Mary Kay gave birth to her second daughter from Villy. That year, Mary Kay and Villy co-authored a book which was published in France called Only One Crime. Like how it's only published in France. The French. Oh my gosh, (laughs) you guys. In 1999, a second book appeared. This one published in the United States, but only written with minimal cooperation from her and none from Villy. I don't know who wrote it then. They both What didn't. are Villy's parents thinking? I don't know. Also, why would they let him out of the house? It's not like he can drive or anything. He has to like ride his little tricycle to meet her. If loving you is wrong is the book. I said, "Yep." Um during her imprisonment, Mary Kay was allowed visits from her children but was denied permission to attend her father's funeral. Imagine being her parents. Yeah, well, her dad slept with students. Yeah, so. I guess. Imagine being her mom. Just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, while in prison, Mary Kay tutored fellow inmates, created audiobooks for blind readers, participated in the prison choir, and rarely missed mass. <laughs> because of her notoriety, Mary Kay was unpopular with the inmates, sassed guards, and balked at work. Sounds like you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and. Um, reportedly as punishment for this, spent 18 of her first 24 months in solitary confinement. Whoa. In one instance, Mary Kay endured six months in solitary when she tried to send letters to Villy, but they were intercepted. In 2002, Villy's family sued the Highline School District in City of Des Moines, Washington for emotional suffering, suffering, lost wages, and costs of rearing his two children, claiming the school and Des Moines Police Department had failed to protect him. From Mary Kay. What do you think? I feel like... I don't... He's, it's kind of a parent's... I think that the parents... That's... I would have done that too. I think... It's like the Lolita book. Like, 12... You're not really old enough to make decisions yet. Exactly. That's definitely manipulation. For sure. He's not old enough to decide he wants to be with her and have two children. You know? Yeah. Following a 10-week trial, no damages were awarded. Attorney Ann Bremner represented the Des Moines Police Department. Lawyer Michael Patterson represented the Highland School District. Mary Kay was released to a community placement program on August 4, 2004, and registered the following day with the King County Sheriff's Office as a Level 2 sex offender. Um, after Mary Kay's release from prison in 2004, Villy, then aged 21, persuaded the court to reverse the no-contact order against Mary Kay. Then, after it was passed, Mary Kay and Villy were married on May 20th, 2005, in the city of Woodenville, Washington. (coughs) Woodenville, Washington, in a ceremony at the Columbia Winery. Exclusive access to the wedding was given to the television show Entertainment Tonight, and photographs were released through other social media outlets. Mary Kay says she planned to have another child and return to the teaching profession. Indicated that by law, she was permitted to teach at private schools and community colleges. So she has six kids now and she wants to have seven? I guess so. I'm not done, though. Mary Kay and her husband were the DJ and host for three Hot for the Teacher night. 
promotions at a Seattle nightclub. During an Inside Edition interview, Billy said, I'm not a victim. I'm not ashamed of being a father. I'm not ashamed with being in love with Mary Kay. Attorney Ann Bremer, who met Mary Kay in 2002 during Billy's civil suit, said that Mary Kay considered her relationship to Billy to be eternal and endless. Nothing can keep the two apart. On May 9, 2017, after almost 12 years of marriage, Billy filed for separation from Mary Kay, but later withdrew the filing. As of April 2018, Billy was working at a home improvement store as a professional DJ, and Mary Kay is working as a legal assistant. According to People Magazine, they know what everyone thinks about their relationship, and they don't care. They never really have. The wrong stuff happened so long ago. They're two grown adults who are living their lives now. And that's the story of Mary Kay. And Villy. And Villy. Ugh. Villy's probably later on thinking, like, what? They're like, oh, when did you guys meet? I was in her sixth grade math. We met in, we met in math class at school. They're like, oh, you've been together since sixth grade? They're like, yeah, she was 30. 34. She was my teacher, actually. That's wild. Hot for the teacher night. He's a professional DJ. <laughs> She's a legal assistant. She should just stick... No, I was going to say she should stick to teaching, but that's probably not good. No. The fact that they were like, yeah, you can teach at private schools and community colleges, though. Just no public schools or universities. Right. But yeah, I don't really know what else to say because I kind of just laid it all out there. Kind of wild. Literally crazy. Hot for the teacher and hot burning Seattle and hot in this room. It's so hot. It's a hot, hot episode. For sure. We hope you guys... Hot, hot. It's getting hot, hot. Ooh, we got it. Hot, hot. We hope you guys have a great rest yeah, of your... Shut hot, up. Hot. <laughs> we hope you have a great rest of your day. Great rest of your night. Um, I hope if you're listening to this while you're trying to go to sleep that you don't get sleep paralysis. Or have nightmares. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, go see follow the us. underground. Take yeah. an underground tour. Facts. Tell us how it is. We'd love to know. Yeah. If you have gone on it, send us a DM at CO Conversations Pod on Instagram. Don't forget Zero to subscribe. Rate us five stars if you enjoyed this episode. And if you don't want to rate us five stars, don't rate us at all. Perfect. Exactly. Because we get to see who rates them, and exactly. we'll come after you. And the ratings really do help you guys. It they really help. Does they help. help more people see it, and then we can have more people listen and have more fun. So. And then we have more fun, and then we get to record more, and then we get better recording equipment. Yeah. So it's you just basically it's just for benefiting you. Winny, winny, win. That's why you screenshot this and post on your Insta story and say, "Dudes." listen listen up y'all because this is it the beat that i'm making making or banging is bringing del- delicious for delicious definition okay go to therapy and eat cereal see eat cereal and, and go, go to therapy. therapy talk it out y'all and go on a walk and then think about it talk more. it out walk it out write it out punch it out against uh kickboxing Yep, not a person, though. Okay, bye! Goodbye.